Well, we are so glad you made the choice to be a part of our Bible study video in 2 Timothy 4. I'm going to start at verse 9. I'll read through the end of the chapter, recognizing that I may not complete the study of all this passage in this video, but we're going to start at 2 Timothy 4 and verse 9. Paul is writing while being imprisoned, and he's being held awaiting his execution. Uh, he said the time of his departure was at hand. He says he was ready and even anxious to be in the presence of the Lord. Now, in these verses, he expresses his final needs during that time just before his execution. We're going to continue our study of what God gave Paul to write to Timothy for us. Second Timothy chapter 4, I'm going to start with verse 9. Do your best to come to me soon, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books and above all the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Prisca and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus remained at Corinth, and I left Trophimus, who was ill at Miletus. Do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you, as do Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. The last written words we have here of the Apostle Paul. Let's start with something so simple, but so rich spiritually. Paul needed his brethren. Like many people, who expect to die soon, there is the strong desire to be surrounded by family 
in this case, spiritual family. All through this passage, Paul's affection for people and his desire to be near people is right on the surface. Not just any people, God's people. There is the plea to Timothy, be diligent to come to me quickly, or in the English Standard Version, do your best to come to me soon. Paul sounds in these words alone. He sounds like he really needs and desires the presence of good people. Get Mark and bring him. Paul wanted to be with people, but not just anybody. It wasn't uh, empty attraction to a crowd. Paul needed his brethren, his spiritual family. And there is no hesitation on his part to say, please come and be with me. I understand independence, and I understand the ability to live alone and work alone, and some people even seem to prefer to suffer alone. But there is something else I understand from Scripture. Even strong people, faithful people, experienced and knowledgeable people need to be with Christians. We need each other. And there should never be any shame or embarrassment in saying that we need each other. If we've learned anything from the pandemic the last year and a half, we've learned it's good to be with each other. It's good to be with each other. Not only in this passage where Paul expresses his need but in many other places in Scripture, the value of companionship and fellowship with others of like faith is encouraged and acknowledged. I remember back in Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 through 12, the statement is made by Solomon that two is better than one. And Solomon makes the point, if one falls down and he's alone, who will pick him up? Or if one is in a cold atmosphere, how will he be warmed? It's about teamwork and companionship and helping each other when we fall down and warmth and mutual defense. God knows what we need, and he provides good people to befriend us and stand by us. We ought to take advantage of that to the best of our ability and not hesitate to ask for others to be with us when we are suffering. Paul had in his heart this powerful affection for his brothers and sisters in Christ, and he needed them to be close and help him. A very strong man, a man of considerable fortitude and inner discipline, experience and knowledge, but here, as he faces death, what does he say? Be diligent to come to me quickly. Brother Gary Henry, in one of his books, said, Our happiness needs a little privacy, but it also needs the friendship of a few select companions. We need to acknowledge our need 
a valuable companionship, and we need to be valuable companions for others. Sadly, Paul lost some friends in the process of activating his faith and being strong and courageous and preaching the gospel. He lost some friends. He said, Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me. It's almost unbearable, and without God's grace to help, it would be crushing when a brother or sister close to you walks away from you, but walks away from God. In connection with a publishing project that I was a part of a few years ago, I sat down and I made a dreadful list of preachers I've known who left the Lord. And it was sickening just to go through that process. Some of these men had helped me and had exerted good influence on my family. I trusted them and counted on them. Some of these men had preached all over the country and had converted many people and trained other men to preach. And then the news came. That seemed so incredible that they had left the Lord and in many cases left their wives and children. Paul lost some very good friends, and it will likely happen to us someday in the future. We ought to resist the temptation to make predictions, but it may be good for us to face the reality now that sometimes people walk away from God. And that happened to Paul. It could happen to us. It may in the future. Important question, how did Paul cope with this sad reality? We know that he was a man who prayed fervently. That was his frame of mind. We know that he didn't beat himself up for not doing more or blindly assume blame. And we know he took great comfort in his ongoing relationship with the good people. So the apostasy of Demas did not ruin Paul or defeat him, but it was a sad reality that he acknowledged. The love of the world not only takes people away from God, it takes people away from each other. Falling in love with the world severs relationships, and takes Christians into grief and disappointment. Let's resolve now what Demas did we will not do. We will not do this to God. We will not do this to our family. We will not take Christians to their death with this kind of sadness and disappointment in us. Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. If you forsake the Lord, you forsake also his people. And they will take that sadness to their death. Demas took a wrong turn. Others mentioned in verse 10 are not charged as deserters. It is just that they had to make necessary journeys. Crescens to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. All of this says to us, and we've covered now verses 9 through about verse 13. All of this says to us, Paul wanted to be surrounded by spiritual family, God's family. 
They could bring exactly the comfort that he needed. More than anyone, they were useful to Paul. It is interesting, not trivial, that Paul valued also certain objects in verse 13. Did you hear that? In verse 13, when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books and above all the parchments. I, I think this helps us see Paul in human terms. We think of Paul as an apostle. Maybe sometimes we want to think of Paul as a super apostle, a man of incredible strength, a recipient of truth directly from God to speak and to write. But also remember, he was subject to the passions and worries and temptations of the flesh. It is easy for our minds to put Paul in this exalted, above human category of this man who needed nothing. But this passage humanizes the man. He wanted his coat, his books, and his parchments. Physical warmth in the coat or cloak, intellectual stimulation in his books, spiritual nourishment through the parchments, which were very likely rolls or membranes upon which scripture was written. Let's consider this for a moment. <clears throat> I want to say, what is important to you throughout your life will be important to you at the end of your life. Your values do not suddenly change when you find out you will die. It may be you are challenged by imminent death to repent of sin that you may be guilty of, but by all means do that. But values that you have fed and nurtured will be on your mind as death is near. As a preacher, I have spent a fair amount of time with people who are dying, sometimes in a home or a hospital or hospice. A few years ago, I visited a hospice facility and had occasion to talk to one of the nurses, and I inquired, when people are brought here, what do they want to have in their rooms? And there was no hesitation in her reply. And she replied based on her experience with people who had been through the hospice process. And she said, in most cases, when people come here, they want their Bible and they want pictures of their family. No TVs, no computers, no briefcase full of office work. The most valued possessions they want near the end are the things they've been close to throughout their lives pictures of their family, books, their Bible. Paul wanted physical warmth, his books and manuscripts. And that may be the case with us. When we near death, we will want those things that have been important to us in life. 
Though Paul is near death and wanted to be with members of his spiritual family, he remains keenly aware of the dangers facing Timothy. <clears throat> I want us to read 14 and 15. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. <clears throat> Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. You know, Satan hopes near death, we will get so wrapped up in sympathy that we covet, so preoccupied with the crisis of death, that we will forget the present dangers that threaten us <clears throat> and threaten other Christians. I'm sorry. Paul, even in his last few days, did not forget those who sought to do harm to the cause of Christ. He wanted Timothy to beware. Paul kept, as he neared death, a very gracious heart. Verse 16, at my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. One of the miserable sights to witness here on earth is someone coming to the end of life and they're bitter, vengeful, still wanting blood from enemies. Have you ever seen that or been around someone who is just loaded with regret and bitterness and just before they die, they still are holding to that poison and bitterness? I worry about those people. In the Bible, in the New Testament, we have three vivid examples of men who were gracious of heart to the very end. Jesus, Stephen, and Paul. Treated with contempt, all three. Yet not only an absence of bitterness, but the presence of grace may it not be charged against them. I do not think Paul is asking God to ignore their sin. Rather, he is expressing his desire that they be forgiven according to the conditions of divine forgiveness. Paul is not ignoring what he taught about repentance. He is expressing his hope they will repent and thus not be charged with the guilt. But beyond that, I would have us observe the grace, the compassion still active in the heart of this man who was about to be executed by an evil empire. I have two or three things to mention in my wrap-up, and we will cover the remaining verses that you see here. Uh, we will cover those in the next video. So I wanted to note with you <coughs> Paul's composure, his maturity just before his death that we are able to have also through faith in Christ. Reflect on the composure and maturity that we observe in Paul 
just before his death. We are able to have that before our death. The same way Paul acquired that courage, active faith in Christ. Number two, never stop reading and studying. Near the very end, Paul wanted his books, his parchments. He wanted to keep his mind alive even though he was facing death. Never stop reading and studying, especially God's word. And never neglect the presence of danger. Satan will be there to tempt us right to the end, and we may need to warn others of Satan's temptations right before we depart from the earth. Paul has this passion to pass the torch on to Timothy. So that's our study this time. We will continue uh, at about verse 13, 14, somewhere in there, and we will move all the way down to verse 22 at the end of 2 Timothy chapter 4. We hope you'll be with us next time. Thank you for viewing this video. We are the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, Texas.